Uh, well, this morning, I, I get to continue uh, with the series that we are in for this summer as we have entitled the series, Living in Babylon, a study through the book of Daniel. And uh, I, I don't say this very often because I'm not interested in like, hey, you should go listen to me preach, but you should go back and watch last week's message if you were not here, okay? I'm not saying it because I preached some amazing message, but I dealt with something that I think a lot of us are ignorant of. We don't see. We talked about the difference. So often we turn away from sin, and yet there are things in our life that defile us, and we allow those to stay in our life. And we don't realize the compromising effect they are having on us. And so if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back. I had a few people this past week, even after the service, come talk to me about things. They're like, this, I think, is one of those things, Greg. I'm, I'm keeping it in my life because it isn't sin, but it is absolutely defiling me, and I've got to get this out of my life. And I think those, those types of steps are the kind of steps that God loves to see out of us, all right? But what we're doing in this series is we are wrestling with this tension of living in Babylon, right? And it's this question, how do we live for God's kingdom when we reside in this kingdom? How do we pursue him, follow what he desires for us in a world that so often is fighting against that? This past week, I talked to a student who's in college. How many of you know it's probably difficult to live for Christ in our college these days? And he's living, even, he's going to school, even in a Christian school, and he's struggling. He's coming into areas where he can't even be fully honest about the truth because of some of these issues. And it's this tension he's feeling. And I think all of us on the job, where there's this tension. How do I live out truth? How do I pursue God? How do I live faithfully for him in a a world that doesn't like it, that fights against it. It's a tension we all wrestle with. And so I know you guys come this morning because faith is important to you, right? Some of you come because somebody dragged you. If that's totally cool, no worries. We're glad you're here. Excited you're here. But most of you come because faith matters. It's important to you. This morning we're going to talk about a really critical area of faith that I think a lot of times we completely overlook and ignore, okay? And this is going to be one of those messages that I think is simple and yet it could be transformative if you get a hold of this. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. I would encourage you to bring a Bible with you during this series because we are going to look. If you got your phone, pull out your Bible app and follow along with us. All right, would you stand with me across the room? We do this around here to say, God, we value your word above my words and we honor your word. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, says this. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that amidst everything else that's going on this morning, we know that you want to speak to us. And I believe you've already been speaking to our hearts, even through worship today, God. You've been speaking to us. Lord, I pray that you continue to do that. Give us ears to hear your voice, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, question. How many of you actually remember your dreams? Raise your hand. You actually remember your dreams. Some of you, some of you have vivid dreams, right? And you know what they are. Okay, my wife drives me crazy. She'll remember dreams. I don't remember my dreams. Does, is anybody like that? Like you legit... Thank you, I'm not alone, okay? I feel crazy sometimes. I never remember my dreams. The only way I remember a dream, if somebody wakes me up in like the middle of an intense dream or something, maybe I'll remember that dream. Like, like there's, a, there's a message coming from God here in this thing. Like, I've never had that. God's never spoken to me through a dream. It's just not the way I do it, you know? And this past week was one of those circumstances where I was, I was woken up, my dog barked. Oh, God, I hate that dog. Would you, God, would you, 
Would you take him, Lord? No, sorry. Anyways, the dog woke me up while I'm sleeping, okay? And, and it was in the middle of an intense dream. And I was, and I was like snapped awake in a moment, okay? And, and in that dream, I was having a dream and, and Amber was doing something to truly make me mad. She was infuriating me in this dream, right? Okay? And I wake up. You ever woken up and you're mad at the person? Like, I'm feeling the feelings, right? And I... And I walked downstairs, and everything in me wanted to say, how dare you? <sighs> but I bit it, and I said, Amber, I'm just letting you know I'm a little mad right now. And she's like, what? I'm like, I had a dream. You're like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, I know. I know. I'm getting it over. I'm like, I'm letting it go. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I feel like this is somewhat is what's going on. This guy's had a dream, and it's intense. But it's more than just intense. It's very clear that King Nebuchadnezzar understands that there is something being spoken to him. That there is, a, there is a message in this dream, and he doesn't know what it is, all right? And so before we get into this story a little bit more, what I want to do is I want to give you the context. Remember, we always talk in context. What's the context of this thing? We got the book of Daniel. Uh, God's people have been unfaithful. They've been taken into exile into the nation of Babylon. Some of those people, are, they've been brought into the king's courts and been trained. And what does it look like to be a Babylonian to serve in his kingdom? Some of those, the best of the best, are then brought into the king's courts to serve. Four of those men are who? Daniel, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are serving in the king's courts. Okay. And so the king has this dream, as we, we just read about. And I'm not going to read through the entire chapter here because uh, it, we don't have enough time to do so. And I'm going to kind of walk you through the story of what takes place. It says that the king summons all of his wise men, his sorcerers, astrologers, all these people. He's pulling all the people and he's saying, all right, come, 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 come. I need you to tell me what my dream means, right? I want to know what it means. And the wise men, they say what you would absolutely say. They say, okay, king, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means, right? And the king's like, nah, I don't trust you guys. <laughs> I don't trust you guys. No, here's, you got to tell me what my dream was first and then interpret it for me. Then I'll know you're not just making stuff up. Like, I'll know you're being honest with me. And they're like, Seriously? Like, how? No, nobody would expect somebody to be able to do that. No, tell us the dream. King, King, just tell us the dream. It's not a big deal. Tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. He's like, no, 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 no. No. No, you've got to tell me my dream. And if you don't tell me my dream and interpret it, I'm going to have y'all killed. And they're like, whoa, King, okay? You need to calm down. Are you hangry? Did you not sleep well last night? Like, what's going on here? Okay, this is not... He's like, no, 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 do it. You're stalling, you're stalling. You're like, the gods would have to tell us. And we don't know these things. And he's like, fine, I'm having you all killed. That's the story. So he sends his officer out to go tell everybody, you're all getting killed. And the officer comes to a man named Daniel. And Daniel hears what's going on. And he approaches the king. He says, king, 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 king. I'll interpret the dream, all right? Just got to give me a little bit of time. So he steps away. And I want to pause here in a moment. This isn't the sermon, but I think this is a point that we all need to be aware of in this story, okay? And it's this truth, is that God will place us in unexpected places to meet unexpected needs, okay? He will place you in unexpected places to meet unexpected needs. Think of the story of how Daniel got to where he was. Was this in his plans? No, he was a, he was a guy serving his God way over in Judah, like that's what he's doing. Exile happens. He is now transplanted to Babylonia, right? Now he's getting raised up in the king's courts, doing all these things. It says at the end of chapter 1 that he's been gifted with the ability to interpret dreams. God gives him this gift. And shocker, suddenly God gives a vision to the king of Babylon, right? 
and he happens to be there. Like, was this an accident, right? Was this coincidence? No, I believe this is absolutely providence. God was moving the pieces when he didn't even realize it. And I think this is something we all need to understand, is that it's possible that God is doing something in your life that you don't know, that you don't yet see. All, all along the way, he had no idea. What, I'm sure he was ticked off. He's from, why am I getting exiled? Why am I forced in this circumstance? Why, like, you, some of you feel that way right now in your life. You're frustrated with the circumstances of your life. Could it be that God is moving you somewhere to meet a need that you currently are unaware of? See, in your home, you bought that house, and you thought you bought that house because you had the best bid, and yay, I won the house. Could it be that God gave you that house because you were going to minister to somebody on that block? Could it be possible on the job? You got that job, and you're like, yeah, I'm so glad I got I got a paycheck. That's great. The, the, the paycheck is the least of the concerns of God, is that God is actually going to use you to be a minister to some people that have no one else in their life to bring the hope of Christ to them. Is that possible? Is it possible that God is working in ways that you don't see? I believe that. We sang this morning. What do we sing? Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. If that's truth, then the reality is God is doing things in your life that you are unaware of right now. And we have to begin to open our eyes and rather than be frustrated by our circumstances, say, I don't like this. God, why is this going on in my life? I wish I had it like this. You need to stop back and say, okay, God, what are you doing? There's a book by Blackaby. It's called Experiencing God. It says, find out what God is doing and join him. And in our lives, that's what we need. We're so often inviting God into our thing. God, would you do what I want you to do? Like, would you do that thing? Instead, would we step back and say, God, what is it you're doing in my life? What is it? God, I need your wisdom because I don't understand what you're doing. God, what are you doing? And help me to join you in that thing, right? That's what a follower of Christ is called to, to look around our circumstances and say, God, this is your thing, not mine. How can I follow you, all right? All right, that's not the sermon this morning, but we're going to move on. Okay, so Daniel is in a crisis moment, right? It's a crisis moment. His life is on the line. These three guys, their life is literally on the line. And so he goes back to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He says, listen, boys, we got to pray, okay? I need you to pray. Pray, ask God that he would give us the wisdom so that we can interpret this dream. And it says, in the night, God gives him the vision of the entire dream. He sees the whole thing. God gives him the interpretation and understanding of what this whole dream is about. And he then is able to go to the king to be able to share that. And we're going to, next week, we're going to talk about that dream. If you've never read the story, it's a really cool story when you hear what the dream is and the interpretation and how it actually affirms scripture and history. It's crazy. So make sure you're here next week when we actually talk about there. But what I want to do is I want to pause in the middle of this story for a moment here, and I want to lean into something, because I think this moment in Daniel's life exposes something that Daniel understood that we need to understand, all right? And this is our big so what. Remember, we always have a big so what. What's the point of this thing? Here it is. When you live in Babylon, you're in a battle. When you live in Babylon, you're in a battle, okay? Remember, we said this. We are living in Babylon, we ain't in the promised land, folks. We are in Babylon as followers of Christ in this time, okay? And we've said this. We are exiles in a foreign land trying to keep our allegiance toward a God and living in this area, in this nation, in this world, right? And when you live in Babylon, you're in a battle. It's easy to look at this passage of Scripture and think about this, right? It's easy to think about this, that this was like a flyer moment. What do I mean? You know the flyer moments, those desperation prayer moments? You ever had those moments in your life, Right? Like, that's what's going on. Daniel, he knows his life's online. He's just throwing a flyer out there, right? Oh, God, you know. 
You ever had these moments like, you know, when you got the test the next day and you have not studied for the test, you know? Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, would you, I give you my hand, Lord. Would you just move my hand right where it needs to go, Lord? I'm asking for that, you know. Or you've had the same thing on the job, right? You've had a, a project that you were supposed to do and you are just not ready for it. You're just, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help Or the lights, you know, pull over on the, on the side of the road, you know, and you got the cop behind you. You're like, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no. I don't know that that's a prayer, but, but it's something, you know. Clearly, you're calling God for something in that moment, okay? That's not what's going on here. You see, this wasn't a flyer moment for Daniel. This was a moment he had prepared for. This is a moment he was ready for. See, in chapter 6, when we get there in chapter 6 of Daniel, it says that he is a, a deep man of prayer. And it says that three times a day, he would open his window toward Jerusalem, saying, God, that's where my help comes from. And he would get on his knees and he would cry out to God three times a day. And we'll get to that story in chapter 6. Some of you are maybe familiar with that story. But here's what Daniel knew that we need to get. Daniel knew he was in a spiritual battle. He understood that he was living in hostile territory, and he desperately needed God's presence to be with him. And so when the pressure came, when the moment came, it wasn't a flyer moment like, oh, I'm just going to throw something out there. No, he knew where the battle needed to be won, and it was on his knees. Okay? When you live in ba Babylon, you're in a battle. Now, for many of us, this feels a little bit weird to say. Like, I'm not, I'm not in a battle. Maybe you're like, I live my life. I kind of got my normal stuff. You know, I got some good things that happen in my life. I got some hard things that happen in my life. I, I don't know that I would say I'm necessarily in a battle. Here in America, we like to talk about the things that we see, the practical things we can see, that we can touch, that we can feel, you know? We don't talk about the spiritual world. In fact, this, this country, we don't, we don't like to say that. Some other countries, they talk a little bit more about the spirit. Well, we don't talk about that around here. And it's possible maybe you're, you're new to faith. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you've never been taught about the realities that there is a spiritual war going on around us. Now here's what we can be confident of. As followers of Christ, we can be confident that the war has been won through Christ. Amen? Right? His death and resurrection sealed. It demonstrated the realities of his power over darkness and sin and death and the grave. Okay, that's the joy that we have as followers of Christ. But it doesn't change the reality that until the fullness of his kingdom comes, we are in a world where there is a spiritual battle going on. There are spiritual forces of darkness at work in this world. And if we ignore those, we are in serious trouble, okay? I think there's two responses to the spiritual world that we can have that are, that are unhealthy. And maybe you can see these, maybe you've met people like this. There's some people that are swung way over here on this side of the spectrum. And they find a demon under every rock. You ever met somebody like that? Like, they can't find a parking spot. Ah, oh, the demons are after me again, you know. Stub your toe. Not today, Satan. Right? Like, I'm like, sometimes you just stub your toe. Like, it's okay. Like, not everything is, is like that, okay? Not every, every moment, every bad thing that happens to you, the devil's trying to take you out, okay? That's one unhealthy view of the spirit world. But there's totally the other end of the spectrum of those that we just ignore. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't pray about it. We live in ignorance to the spiritual reality of what's going on around us. And I think this is where too often of us, I would say if there's a, if there's a side that we flow to, this is the one we flow to. This is the side we lean on. We are unaware of the dire spiritual battle we are in. And hear this. Our prayer lives prove it. 
Think about your prayer life right now. If I was to ask you to, to critique or analyze your personal prayer life based on your realization or understanding of the spiritual battle that you are un, un, under and the attack that you are under constantly, does your, does your prayer life reflect that? I think for a lot of us, if we were honest, we would say, I don't know that I'm praying at that level. <laughs> I'm praying like the yubba-dub-dub, thanks for the grub kind of level, you know. I don't know if I'm in the man I am under attack and I desperately need God's presence every moment of every day. I don't know that I'm at that level. See, I think we, we oftentimes will say, well, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. I think we know how to pray. We just don't know how much we need it. Why do I say that? Because every one of us has been in a circumstance, like I just shared, where the pressure comes on, and suddenly we find ourselves praying, right? Some of you have had the physical need in your, in your body, in your family. You've had that relationship, that struggle. And for a season, you've been people of prayer. I've been a person of prayer in those moments. And yet when the pressure comes off, when the tension is away, and we get back to normal life, it's very easy to slip back and think, I don't really need any prayer. Like, I'm, I don't really give my time to God. I don't really pursue Him. I don't recognize my desperate need. But if this is true, if it's really true that living in Babylon, you are constantly in a spiritual battle, then we desperately need to be people of prayer. At every moment of every day, you, whether you think it or not, are in desperate need of God's wisdom, of his protection, of his favor, right? You need him to speak into your life. You need him to guide you. You need him to fill you up. You need him to comfort you. You need him to protect you. This is what you need from God. And the only way, the, the call of a follower of Christ would be those who are constantly like Daniel on their knees saying, God, we desperately need you. Not just when the pressure's on, I need you every moment. Because as we are people like that, it's only then that we're going to begin to realize all the ways God is working around us. And we're in a position where we're ready to respond, right? Instead of walking around oblivious to what God is doing, right? I think a lot of times we, we ask God for wisdom and he says, I've been trying to talk to you for a long time about this. You just haven't made any space for me. I've wanted to give you wisdom. But you're not in my word. You're not spending time with me. Right? See, Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, this is, there's a passage here. I love this passage if you're familiar with uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And he, he tries to help us understand what we're really up against. And this is what it said. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen, the devil is active, as we say, saying. He's not trying to hide it from you. There is spiritual attack going on, and you've got to be ready. But I think so often we as followers of Christ, we're showing up to the spiritual battle with a spatula in our hands, you know? Like, you know? It's like, it's like we show up to a pillow fight and the other guy's got a gun, you know? Like we're not ready for this thing. We're, we're ill-equipped. And, and Paul is trying to say, listen, believers, I know you don't see it with your eyes. I totally get it. I know it may feel weird, and for some of us, especially, I said, in America, this feels weird to even talk about, like, oh, spiritual. But it's real. And if you're ignorant of it, you're going to get taken out. And I don't want this for you. I want better for you. I've, I've died so that you could have life, not so that you could experience death that the enemy wants to bring to you. Okay? So it goes on in, in verse number 12 and says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Stop there for a second. Here's the deal. So often of our lives, that's what we think is going on. We think everything's just a flesh and blood thing. You got a struggle in your marriage, just a flesh and blood issue. 
right? You got a struggle on the job, it's just a flesh and blood issue. You, you've got financial issues, you've got this, I mean, whatever it is. You got physical issues, you got whatever. We all think it's just flesh and blood issues. Listen, they may show themselves and expose themselves as flesh and blood issues, but fundamentally, they may be spiritual issues and you aren't engaging that way, right? God could be using, some of you have been beat up. You've been, you've been spiritually abused by leaders, okay? Hear this. Although it was flesh and blood, it was the activity of the enemy at work, okay? And we have to be aware of that. We have to say, God, I need protection. I need you to guard me. For some of us, we're just trying to get over some things in our lives. Like, I just need to get over this. I need to, no, we need to bring our hearts. God, would you do a spiritual work in my heart? I desperately need you to shape me. Like, I can't figure this one on my own, Lord. We need that. There is a spiritual life going on. And hear this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Hold on to that one, because we're going to come back to that one later. All right? There is all this going on. We have to be aware of what's happening. Listen, when you live in Babylon, you're in a battle. You don't get to tap yourself out and say, well, I'm not in a battle. I'm not that guy. No, you all are. Just are you going to be aware of it or not? Are you going to respond that way or not? Okay? So this passage, if you, if you turn to Ephesians, there's kind of the rest of the section. It starts naming different parts of, you know, the, the armor that you're going to put on, you know. And it talks about things like faith and, and hope, and it talks about peace, and it talks about the word of God and all these things. And, and you could honestly, I'll preach a whole series on that at some point in time. It's just so, so good. But, but I want to focus on the last verse that we get to in this little section. We get to verse number 18, and here's what he says. He says, and pray in the spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And here's what I think he's trying to point to, and this is what I believe Daniel is showing to us. You desperately need to be connected to your God through prayer. Because if you don't, if you aren't, you are putting yourself in an extremely vulnerable position. You're putting yourself in a position where the enemy can be at work, and you are not doing anything about it. And so here's what I'm challenging all of us here with this morning. is just this understanding. And I want to ask the question, as I said a little bit earlier, does your prayer life prove that you believe this big so what? Does your prayer life prove that you, you believe you're in a battle? I don't say this for condemnation. There's no condemnation here. This is just a gut check a little bit. All of us. I've had to ask myself this question. Is that what my prayer life looks like? Do I really look like I believe I'm in a battle? I don't think I always do. I think there's plenty of times where I operate at a nice level of prayer. Not a recognition of what's going on. And I, I guarantee you there's been moments in my life when I have been trying to respond to spiritual issues in a flesh and blood way. I guarantee it. And I would bet that there's many of us here that are doing the same thing. So what I want to do here is I want to I close with some very practical stuff for us. Okay, because it's very easy. Okay, Greg, I should pray more. Okay. I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Some of you are newer to faith. And, and prayer life has is, is truly been the yub-yub-dub, thanks for the grub. Like, you don't know where else to go from there. Like, I don't know how to, how to pray. And so, so I want to give you just a few thoughts on this. And my challenge for us this week is that we would all take a step together, and it's this, is that you would take another step into the waters of prayer. That's my prayer for every person. You know, when you're, you're at a, you know, the ocean or you're at a lake or something like that, and there's just this entrance, and you take a step in, 
Take another step. You get a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. I don't know where you're at. Some of you have never even stuck a toe in the water. Well, I hope you stick a toe in the water, okay? Some of you, you're up to your waist. Some of you have been up to your shoulders. My prayer is you'll take another step into the waters of prayer. That it would become a part of your life, that this connection that you have to God would begin to transform the way you see the world, to give eyes to see. See, Daniel, in this moment, he said, listen, I'll interpret your dream. I don't think that was, a, that was a statement of like, I hope I'll interpret your dream. That was a step that God had been speaking to his heart. It already said he had given him this gift. This is something he knew. And he knew something. If I go to my God, this is something he will equip me with. And this is what we need to understand. That the, the more we know God, then the more we understand how he operates and works in the world. And we're ready to nuance this world a little bit better. Okay? So here's the challenge. I want you to look at me. If you've been serving Jesus for more than five years, look at me right now, okay? I want, to, I want to challenge you in your faith. That your prayer life doesn't become something that happens on Sunday mornings or around mealtime only, but you would take another step into the waters of prayer. Maybe it means you're going to carve a little more space. Maybe it means you're going to invite God into more of your life. I know for me, one of the areas of growth probably over the last 10 years Earlier in my life, I felt like prayer was relegated to moments in my day. You know, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in this moment. And what I've seen in my life is how prayer has become a part of just who I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not crazy guy, like, with my mouth praying all the time. Like, hopefully I don't. I've, actually, I have been caught doing that sometimes. But I, I, was, I was in my car a couple weeks ago, and I was doing that. I was praying, and I turned and did one of these moments, and the person next to me is just looking at me like this. <laughs> like, sorry. Um, but prayer is in my mind on a regular basis throughout my day. I'm constantly praying. I'm constantly worshiping. Okay, God, I need you. God, I need you right now. God, would you give me wisdom? There's times where I'm just worshiping and I'm praying inside of my own heart, right? It becomes a part of who I am. And maybe that's the step is maybe you need to take a step from prayer being a moment in your day to prayer being something that you do. Maybe it's in your car ride when you're driving in the car. For me in the shower, I start praying when I get in the shower in the morning. It's the first thing I do. I just start praying. Sometimes I start worshiping. Sometimes I pray about what's going on. This morning I got up, I started praying for this message. God, I need you. This is one of these messages all week long. I was just banging my head against the wall. Like, God, I need you. I'm not the solution this morning. I need your spirit to move. How do you begin to allow prayer, this connection to our God? Because when you're in the battle, we need a connection to our God. So when the pressure comes, you're ready for it, okay? But there's some of you out there, and I would say this, that you are newer to faith, and you're like, I don't even know how to pray. Like, once I, like I pray for 30 seconds, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. I love you. Um, <laughs> you've had those moments. Okay, so I want to give you all, maybe all of you can use this as a tool. But I think one of the best structures that you can understand that can help you begin this journey of prayer is the Lord's Prayer. His, his disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And here's Here's what it says. You can find this. It's in a couple places, but you can find this in Matthew uh, chapter 6. It begins this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is that? It's worship, praise. Say, come on, God, praise you. I worship you. You are holy. You are righteous. It's a declaration of who God is and for what he has done, praising him for the things that he's done in your life, thanking him for the things that he's done in your life. Okay? The next part of the, the verse goes this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? surrender and submission. Say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And if I was praying this on my own, I began praying, God, I give you my day. God, I pray that my mouth would be submitted to you. God, I pray that I would speak life. I pray that in my actions, God, that I would be one who loves 
Not one who's giving off uh, hatred. Not one who's responding out of my own issues. But instead, God, would I respond in love? Would I be submitted to your principles, to your word, to your kingdom? Okay? Goes on and says this. Give us today our daily bread. What's that? Your needs. You've got needs. You've got stuff. And most of us, this is the area we're really good at. We bring, God, I need this. I need this. I need this. That's great. There's a place for it. Okay? Next. Is this. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. What is that? It's the symbol of repentance. Saying, God, forgive me. Lay myself down. God, repenting of the ways where I have gone the wrong way. Turning from that and turning toward God. We need to have constant hearts of repentance. But I love the end of this thing because it alludes to what we're talking about today. And this is the last section. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is a prayer and an understanding that there is a battle going on. And I need to be in prayer about this thing, right? If I pray this prayer every day of my life, that means I am praying into the battle that exists. I am aware that there is a spiritual battle. Jesus knew this, okay? We need to be aware of this, all right? So I don't know where you're at, but my challenge to you is that you would take another step into the waters. If you've never prayed before, five minutes. Take five minutes. Pray this. Open your Bible. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. You can find it right there. Pray along that. Use that as a structure. Some of you, you're, you're stale in your prayer. Use this as a structure to begin to pray. And just like I, with my wife, first couple of dates, it was like, oh, what do we talk about? I need to come give me some questions. At this point in our marriage, I don't need anything. I just talk to my wife. She just talks to me. That's what happens eventually in your prayer. The more you become accustomed to praying and worshiping God and being with him, it becomes more natural to you. It isn't something that you need a form, but it's okay to start there. God gives us patterns to help us because he's a good dad, all right? So I want to close with this. Um, I saw this a couple years ago, and as I was preparing this morning, it just kind of came to my mind. There's, a, there's an, a bird called a snake, a brown snake eagle that lives in Africa. How many ever heard of the brown snake eagle? Good, none of you. Brown snake eagle. And shocking, guess what the snake eagle eats? Snakes. <laughs> okay? It's, a, it's an eagle that eats snakes. But here's what it doesn't do. The eagle doesn't fly down to the ground and try to mess with the snake on the ground. Right? He doesn't try to do battle on the ground. Why? Because if he does battle on the ground, he's going to get taken out. That snake can wind itself up, can come at him, one bite, eagle's dead. What does the eagle do? Snatches it, takes it up into the air. Why? Because up there, he's got the power. Up there, he's got the authority. See, this is a picture of what it looks like. Oh, it's only over there. Sorry, it's over there. And they'll say he gets it up in the air. The first thing it does, it gets it up in the air. And now the snake has no power. It can't, it can't move because it's just in the air. First thing it does, he rips its head off. And he, and he swallows it. That's a cobra that he's eating. Okay? Rips his head off and proceeds to finish the whole snake off. Why? Because he's got the power up there. Here's the connection to us. So often we are trying to do our battle down here. In the flesh and blood. Not knowing that God has given us the authority in the heavenly realms. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 1? This is why I said I'm going to come back to it. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's given us everything we need. And here's what I know. For some of us, 
we are exhausted because we've been trying to battle the snake on the ground over and over and over again. And we're taking hits over and over again. You need to get on your knees and you need to do the battle where you have the power and the authority in Christ. That is in prayer. And my hope for us as a congregation is that we wouldn't get really slick at putting on shows on Sunday and get really slick at having this great organization, but we would be those who are on our knees before our Heavenly Father doing the real work because our God is the victor. He's the one who's the source. He's the one that does the things that we cannot do, right? Would we be those people? God, break our hearts again. Break our hearts. Give us revelation, God of the battle that we are in, to recognize that this thing isn't just ha-la-di-da, this is easy. No, we are in a battle, God. Give us that wisdom. God, may our prayer lives look like it.